What is going on and welcome into an NFL Week 4 Thursday, September 29th edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I'm Julian Edlow with my co-host Steve Buchanan. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. We ran through the Week 4 stuff on Tuesday, but uh, we're going to do it again as the week nears. Um, and if you want our analysis on Bengals-Dolphins Thursday Night Football, I would recommend going to the Tuesday podcast for that. And we have, uh, you know, I at least have a side on the game uh, that you can listen to there. But this episode, we're going to welcome a special guest, Elliot Christ from Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life. And uh, we're going to just pretty much run through the entire NFL board, talk sides, totals, props, and uh, then Steve and I will come back, wrap up the pod with some best bets. So let's get right into the board, guys. All right, kids, we're back here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. As we promised earlier in the show, we have a very special, handsome guest that's going to be joining us here for so this. handsome, so handsome. Like we had, we had to have fix the camera because this man is just so handsome. We had to get the clean, sharp look for Elliot Chris, who is the CEO of Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life, and someone that I've known for a long time in the industry. We've crossed paths many times, and now we're crossing our paths one more time. Whether he wants to or not, he did agree to come on, so it doesn't matter. He is here. Elliot, thank you for joining the show, and you're looking dapper. Uh, it better not be the last time we cross paths, I'll say that much, but I, I'm I'm a little worried that people are going to think that someone else is going to appear when you said the incredibly handsome Elliot, but I, I <laughs> you said you were going to hype me up, and I appreciate it, Steve. That is that is the first time I've been introduced that way, and I hope it's not the last. <laughs> no doubt. All right, we're going to talk about the board here coming up for all of Sunday's games. We do have that early game um, over in uh, London. Is it a London game? Is that what it is? It's it a, is London a London game. game. Yeah. Okay, but let's uh, let's kind of go anywhere we want here. Um, Ellie, is there any games here on the board that were kind of getting your attention in particular? Anywhere you want to start? We always kind of like to give the guests uh, the honors here to let him know what we want to do. Yeah, that London game is is enticing in general, but I'm going to start with the Bills and Ravens, right? How can you not sure. start with the game of the week? Two teams that have come out on absolute fire. Lamar Jackson looks like his MVP self, and Josh Allen on the Bills just had that uh, deflating loss against Miami where – Typically, when you throw the ball 63 times, your opponent throws it 18, you're not going to lose that game. But they did, right? They found a way to lose that game, and now they take on a Baltimore team whose secondary has struggled uh, against big plays. And we know that Gabriel Davis is back and should be healthy, and yep. Stefan Diggs and, and company. It's That game is, is enticing. And then on the other side of the ball, right, the Bills' defense was so banged up last week, and right. they're going to be missing safeties for a while. And can they remain that top two, three defense in the NFL? I don't know. It's going to come down to their pass rush. And so I think it's just such an enticing matchup with a lot of good prop plays. And um, I don't know how you don't call it the game of the week. What do you, what do you, what do you, total? uh, Hold on. I knew you you were going to ask that because we talked about this Tuesday, right, Steve? Yeah. Or am I forgetting? Because I've talked about it a bunch of times this week. We talked about it on Tuesday. Tuesday. The total, the total was 52 at one point in time or 52 and a half, right? And it's coming down, which I can only imagine has to do with, I guess, the weather situation going on on the East Coast this week. But with those secondaries and like the two MVP front runners going head to head, I don't know how this I don't know how the over isn't a value play right now. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the Bills Dolphins game just got juiced up like crazy last week yeah, because they were excited about it. And then. The, the Bills couldn't move the football. Or they could move the football, but they couldn't finish drives, right? So it right. led to a game going vastly under. 
And I think whenever numbers come out that high, some people try to hammer them home lower. But two secondaries that are in trouble with two offenses that have explosive plays. With those two quarterbacks, I I certainly wouldn't want to be holding an under ticket and watching what's about to unfold. Because the total was at as high as 55 and a half three days ago. And then it started like really oh, wow. going down quickly. So we were like, and I was like, this kind of reminds me of, you know, like a, a COVID era where, you know, there was information out there that a big player was going to be, uh, you know, ruled out. And that's what kind of made the, the, the total to go under. So I almost was like half expecting something to come out, maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday to hear something and nothing has come out. So like when I see it now at 51, I'm like, this is just getting crazy to me. Like, so to me, this feels like a classic, like trap spot where it's like, Oh, everyone's expecting over the public's going to be so heavy on, on the over on this one. And just goes sales under. But like, when you look at this, when you look at what you've said, I mean, the Ravens have allowed the total, the most total yards in the league at this point, how would this not go over? So um, I, I'm just going to take the over and say, look, if it, if it beats me and it goes under then whatever, but I was just shocked that it's come down four and a half points at the beginning of the week when really nothing has changed since last Sunday. The Ravens defense is so bad that they made Matt Patricia look like an actual NFL coach. <laughs> right. right. The Ravens have, the Ravens have been giving up points. We, I mean, we saw the, the Dolphins like historic comeback and then what happens with the Patriots putting up points and they've scored 38 and 37 points in those two games. And now you're going to be going up against the Buffalo secondary that like doesn't even have a starter in there. Yeah. I just and even the pass rush, the the front seven is beat up for Buffalo. I don't get how both like I was thinking about a Buffalo team total over at first in the bounce back spot off Miami when they should have scored more points. But I was just like, I don't want to have to guess which side's going to score the points. I think both of them are. And this is just becoming a value under for some reason that I would guess would be weather. And maybe as we see weather might not be as much of an issue in Baltimore, it starts to creep back up by Sunday. I think relying on weather to help you when we record this on a Thursday is a dangerous proposition. Yeah. I, I, I don't yes. really look at much weather until Sunday because of how much forecast change. And we've seen a lot throughout the years, like, Oh, this is going to be a snow game, a hurricane game. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you get to Sunday and it's 60 degrees and, and, and sunny. And you're like, well, I just put a bunch of money on the under because I thought the weatherman was on my side, but he is not. So I try not to even really factor in weather outside of, you know, obviously what happened in Florida this week, that kind of thing is, is such a um, kind of one-off situation, but that I don't see why this line would have dropped four and a half points. I would say nine times out of 10, when people start bringing up weather to me about NFL games, I tell, tell them to shove it up their ass. Cause really, I think that's what it comes down to. It's so overhyped, so overstated. And I could care less. So I'm glad you and I are on the same page. Yeah. I don't care. I could not care less about weather. <laughs> All right, then let's not talk about weather and let's talk about the rest of these one o'clock games and anything that may uh, or may not jump out. Um, I gave out two plays on the Tuesday podcast. Uh, Both have moved a half point and a half key point in my favor since giving them out. And it was the two teams. I'm betting on both of the teams that we saw in that ugly Monday night football game. I have the Giants minus two and a half against the Bears, which now sits at three on DK Sportsbook. And I have the Cowboys minus three against the Commanders, which was three as we recorded on Thursday morning. But now Thursday afternoon, it's up to three and a half for the Cowboys. Um, Thought process real quick on both the games. Bounce back spot for the Giants against a Bears team that is fortunate to be two and one. 
um, and should let down on the road. Giants heavy blitz team against a team that cannot protect Justin Fields and Fields can't seem to throw the ball anyway. Um, so I think that the Giants move the ball better and I think the Giants caused some problems on defense for the Bears and they bounce back in that home game. Similar line play issues, I think, here with the Dallas-Washington game. We're coming off Carson Wentz getting sacked nine times, and now Dallas, who leads the league in sacks, is going to be at home uh, taking on the Commanders. I think that Wentz is going to have trouble staying upright. And, I I mean, I like what we've seen from Cooper Rush. He's eventually going to fall flat, but he's 3-0 straight up, 3-0 ATS as a starting QB. He was getting the ball to Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb. Could have had much more, obviously, if Lamb didn't have that huge drop. So... I think that Dallas at home is going to be just fine here against uh, against Washington. Washington may be getting a little bit too much credit for that week one win over Jacksonville at home a while back. Um, Elliot, thoughts on either of these two sides or any any thoughts, whether it be player props, totals, anything on either of these two games? One last thing I'll throw in, um, Micah Parsons' sack prop. I don't even think it's out. I'm going to look right now. Dude's getting a sack. Yeah, I, I was on him getting a sack on Monday night, and of course they got pressure on what over fifty percent of dropbacks, and he got yep. nine pressures and got no sacks. So it felt like Perfect. that was good process, <laughs> bad results. But and you mentioned I, you were just Lamb a week drop. early. You were just a week early. He's going to make up for it this week. I lost a, a twenty to one parlay because I needed C.D. Lamb over ninety yards, and he had eighty-seven <laughs> yards. And I, I feel like oh, I deserved right to chest. win that one. So. Yeah. That was uh that was fun. I I completely agree. By the way, about Washington with Jacksonville getting too much credit for that game because between yeah. Trevor Lawrence missing Travis Etienne in the end zone, Travis Etienne dropping one, uh, and multiple other plays that the Jaguars just basically handed that game to Washington. Dallas, I think, with Cooper Rush, I think the key with him is he's not been asked to compete with high level quarterbacks yet. He hasn't had to go right. win the game. It's just don't lose it. And I think he's capable of doing that. I like that call a lot. Giants and Bears, the fact that we're even discussing this on an entertainment podcast to me is wild. Uh, those two teams are abysmal. And the money is entered. Money is entertaining. The, amen. So there's a side that's going to make you money in that game. We are entertained. No, that you're you're not right. Uh, that's one of those games where you're thankful for red zone, though. You bet on it. You want your updates yes. when the Giants win that game, fourteen to three. Uh, I, I like that call. I can't believe that one of those teams are going to be three and one. So I, I have to. Do I didn't think. The- I didn't think of it that way. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Them, I mean, if the Bears are the three and one team, I, I don't know what I'll do as a Bears under six and a half better. Yeah, well, they mm. they might still finish three and fourteen. Like they are, they are an abysmal <laughs> right. team, right? And it's it's one of the reasons we don't want to factor in records too much, right? And even early year stats, we still want to make sure we're paying attention to what happened last year because a three game sample size is pretty small, and one or two game scripts can completely, you know dictate that like Joe Flacco leading the NFL in pass attempts is because they keep going down um, 27 to three, but actually keeping on that jets game and just trying to buy low on players. Elijah Moore's gone over his prop in two of three games. Uh, Granted two times were by one yard, but that's not the point A wins a win, right? It dropped to 40 and a half. It's up to 41 and a half. He gets a Zach Wilson back who I think will actually help him some in terms of one, a play broke down. Joe Flacco can't do anything. He's a statue back there. And now you're talking about a guy that leads the NFL in routes run, leads the NFL in uh, unrealized potential yards. He leads the team in routes run. He just saw a massive spike in target share. Dwayne's utilization report at fantasylife.com, one of the best pieces for, for the way players are being used completely free, is 
buy low on Elijah Moore right now. You're talking about a guy that's just on the field every play and a big part of the offense coming off 10 targets with a reception prop of 40 yards. To me, the rece- reception prop, receiving prop. Good Lord. Um, I, I think that's a smash play for the over. I'm with you. I think obviously with Wilson coming back, that's going to be a nice bump too. And I feel as though like while Flacco hasn't been good, he's been good enough that if they felt like Wilson wasn't truly capable of playing, then they would be comfortable with putting him in again this week. So if they're playing Wilson this week, then I truly feel like Wilson is ready to go and will be at, at or near 100%. I mean, no one's a hundred percent for Christ's sake, but I think I was at close as he possibly can. So I'm with you. I do think Elijah Moore is in a great spot here this week. Um, or do you have any interest in backing either team on this one? I know it's at minus three right now in favor of the, um, um, of the, uh, I just lost here, of the Steelers. It's it's tough for me to feel confident, confident in Mitch Trubisky yeah. laying points to anybody, but at the same time, <laughs> this Jets team has struggled in so many different directions, including just coaching staff decision-making. You know, they kicked four field goals in a game that they were never in. They, right. it's, it's troubling with how bad the Jets were if they didn't have that, if Nick Chubb doesn't score a touchdown right and goes down. They lose that game by 13 points. They lose last week by 15 points. They lose week one by 17 points. Um, and the Steelers looked a little bit better, but without TJ Watt, that defense obviously isn't the same. I just, to me, that's a Massive game I, I'd rather take props on. And um, the, another prop I really like this week be, between two divisional opponents are the Titans and Colts. And Michael Pittman comes out at 66 and a half. He's got 22 targets in two games, fully healthy, removed from that quad injury. Uh, He's gone over this number in both games. Matt Ryan is historically funneled targets to the wide receiver one, right? That's why everyone loved Pittman coming in. There's not a yep. player in the league with less target competition. Like from Michael Pittman to wide receiver tight end, next option, I don't think there's a bigger fall off in the NFL than Pittman wow. to the Colts. And you you give me a guy that's going to get 9, 10 targets every single week against a defense that's bottom seven and basically every metric that matters covering the pass with corners that can't guard anybody. Right. No, that's good stuff. It's, that's incredible. I like, it's tough I like the Pittman prop a lot. I like the Pittman prop a lot. Real quick, I Samir, some producer Samir reached out to me while you guys were chatting. There is a Micah Parsons sack prop out. It's not at the number I want. The other guys are generally set at 0.75 so that you lose on half a sack, win on a full sack. Parsons is out at 0.25. So you would cash your ticket even if he gets half a sack. Minus 205 to the over. Mm. Tricky, tricky. But if that moves up and we can get a realistic number on the over 0.75, I'm in. There's, but now, there's I mean, you ca- I don't, I'm not going to lay the minus 205, right. but you even cash it on half a sack. Those half sacks can be so tricky sometimes, too, because sometimes it's clearly not a half sack and they split it between two guys. And sometimes, yep. you know, so that, that half sack to full sack is a legitimate difference maker. Um, yeah. but anyone who's getting six, seven, eight, nine pressures is like, <laughs> he's going to look into one at some point. <laughs> I know he had two of the first two weeks. Like he's, he's different, man. Like he's just yeah. like a different human being out there. And they're, you know, they take him off the field and not in situations where they don't need him to, to stop the run. Right. They save his energy to go nuts. Strictly yeah. pass rush. And Carson Wentz is no stranger to taking a sack and rolling around and looking like an idiot and getting <laughs> murdered by Michael Parsons. If, if, if anything that we saw 
against the Giants is a prelude to what we're going to see this week. Carson Wentz is going to be decapitated by the time this game is over. Like, that's truly what it feels like at this point. Um, I just want to quickly get your thoughts on this Seahawks-Lions game. So the Lions heading into Monday were six-point favorites, and then we kind of got the news that DeAndre Swift was uh, likely going to be getting a few weeks off and then ended up going down to minus four, and it's kind of pretty held, held pretty steady here at this point. But the Lions are kind of the NFL darlings for the early season right now because everybody's kind of infatuated with this team. And, you know, rightfully so. The offense has been stellar. The offensive line is doing such a, a good job of keeping Jared Goff clean with a clean pocket because in in the past we saw this with the Rams too. If he's working with a clean pocket, he's a damn good passer. And that hasn't been what he's had for the past couple of years. Now he has that. Now we're kind of starting to see like a, I don't want to say a new version of Jared Goff, but maybe like maybe some of the old version we saw before. Now he's going up against this, this putrid Seahawks team. No pass rush to begin with anyways. Are you surprised that this hasn't moved back up since getting down to four? Because I thought that it, there was going to be some money coming in on the Seahawks and then it would start to go back to uh, to Detroit. But it really hasn't been that way so far. Yeah. And DeAndre Swift, as good as he is, no running back is worth two points to a line, right? Sure. Um, the Seahawks defense is is bad, right? I think the worst drive success rate against them. They can't cover. They can't cover running backs, which stinks because DeAndre Swift is obviously such a weapon and yeah. probably would have had a monstrous game through the air. Jamal um, Williams props. Yes. Um, I'm very interested to see what comes out there. But we've also – one of the things about the later into the season we get, the harder it is to get props early because there's so much news where, you know, DraftKings doesn't want to let something out too early and we have injury information and all of a sudden – Jamal Williams yep. receiving prop was at six and a half when it should have been at 22 and a half. Um, I lean the Lions in this game. I Lions are one of those teams where they play hard every single game and they do a lot of things better than I think we give them credit for. And to your point on Jared yeah. Goff, I think we overcorrected. We, because he never lived up to the first overall pick hype and couldn't get the Rams over the top, we talked about him as a bottom five quarterback in the NFL, and that's not what he is. He's just – he's kind of like your Andy Dalton. And – <laughs> that's I know Gino has you know we, we wrote him off and he didn't write back but I think the problem is he's <laughs> going to start writing back real soon probably I yeah that's a lion that's a weird to see that move in that direction I, I like the Lions in that game and like you're talking that that offense is high powered and even without Swift that might be a team total uh over spot just bank on the Lions putting up points in that one for me the Seahawks literally allowed Kyle Pitts to come to life, which is what the entire yeah, industry right. wanted. That's the, they can't cover anybody, man. They made Russell Wilson look like, you know, he wasn't just microwaving. Like that's. <laughs> I like that analogy. I might steal that. <laughs> that's yours. Okay. As long as, as long as that man doesn't make me eat his sandwich. Cause that's the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I oh, thought the sandwich, yes. first of all, no free ads, but uh, I thought the sandwich <laughs> looked okay. It was just the acting that was very awkward. You ever, right, you ever do anything right. dangerous? Nobody eats like that. You ever do anything dangerous? <laughs> we can we're talk better, about it after the podcast. The Lions, so, yes, we're, we're doing yeah. some dangerous things. <laughs> I'm betting on the Giants and Cowboys this weekend, so I have done something dangerous. Um, all right. I think any anything else in the early window that we want to hit on that we haven't? Because that about does it for me. Not necessarily from a betting perspective, I'm, but I'm very excited to see the Jaguars-Eagles game because I think for three weeks the Eagles have been the best team in the NFL. 
Uh, and the Jaguars have really impressed. And I think this is a good litmus test to see that uh, if the Jaguars are for real or if the, the Eagles have kind of played above their head against lower competition. I think Jalen Hurts' passing props continue to come out too low. This is a team mm-hmm. that's not throwing the ball like last year. In, in neutral situations, they're top 10 in passing rate. They just haven't had to play into the second half. So if you believe that the Jaguars can keep this game close and it's not going to be 24 nothing at halftime, where he's still gone over these numbers, <laughs> right? then I, I think Jalen Hurts uh, over 250 passing yards is a smash play. See, I, I think this is a nice spot to sell high on, on the Jags because um, are they a good team? I do believe so. I just think the Eagles are superior when comparing the two teams. So, like, I I get the line at six and a half. But like, I would not be surprised if this is one of those ones where it's like, oh, we could only have the Eagles at six and a half. You know what I'm saying? Whereas now we don't. Now we're kind of seeing that the Jaguars are they're good, but they're they're not even close to the same level as the Eagles. And maybe this is me being a little too high on the Eagles early on. But like, nothing that I've seen so far makes me think this is the matchup for the Eagles where they start to regress. I would say this is the matchup for the Jaguars to start to regress against a much better Eagles team. So that's just my stance I, on that. I completely agree. At the end of the day, everyone came in this year and said the Eagles roster is loaded. Can Jalen Hurts take that step forward? Because uh, right. accuracy has always been his issue. And he almost looks like Josh Allen a little bit from his third year where he went from completely inaccurate to accurate. Uh, yep. And A.J. Brown has kind of helped take him to the next level. Devontae Smith making the next step. And the Eagles don't really have a hole on their roster or coaching staff, which is what I, I love to see in these situations. And to your point, the Eagles in a teaser and getting them down to a pick, that this is a spot I love here. I'm with you. Prelude with you. potentially pick- to our best bets segment uh, later in the show. Um. Jamal Williams does not have any yardage props up real quick, but he is minus 125 as an anytime touchdown scorer on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Not too shabby if you're going to tell me that DeAndre Swift is out of the mix. Um, Okay, 4 o'clock window, uh, or late window, let's call it. Three games on the card. I'm going to save Packers-Patriots for last and start with two games in Panthers hosting the Cardinals and Raiders hosting the Broncos sharp money on the Panthers so far sharp and public money on the Raiders so far as the home favorites here the Raiders are 0-3 straight up 0-3 against the spread the three teams that beat them are a combined 0-6 straight up in all of their other games so of course they're laying points here against the 2-1 Broncos um, who Hackett looks like he can't coach his way out of a paper bag the Broncos are averaging like two points per game uh, is this the spot that the Raiders get right? I'll get your guys' opinion. I tend to think it will be, but I think that this is a spot where you have to come out and look good. So rather than the full game, if I were to bet this game, I would take the Raiders' first half. In their only home game so far, they were coming off a loss, and they were up 20 to nothing at halftime against the Cardinals. I think this is one where the Raiders come out strong and probably win but I don't want to have to have my money on that. So if I were to bet this game, Raiders first half for me. The coaching on the four o'clock slate is going to be abysmal. Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Rule. (laughs) We don't know if Josh. And that includes the Patriots. Yeah, Matt Patricia uh, and Nathaniel Hackett. Like, yikes. Um, (laughs) To your point, historically, teams who start 0-3 against the spread cover in week four, too, right? Because we all overreact and – but they also typically aren't favorites. Um, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so I think it's a unique situation. To your point, they they dominated that Cardinals game. They let that one slip away. They were uh, playing from behind in the the other two games. This Broncos defense is legitimate. I think that's yep. the thing that worries me because the offense is not. They're not making good decisions. Russ looks lost out there. He looks washed, frankly. But it's less than a field goal. I would lean the Raiders, but it makes me nervous. This is this is like a stay away spot for me just because there's so much uncertainty. And the reason I would want to bet one team, I could probably apply that logic to the other team as well in terms of how right. bad both teams have looked. Yep. Yeah, this is a total stay away spot from me too as well. Like I think it says a lot that the Raiders are 0-3 in both against the spread and win-loss, but are the favorites here against a 2-1 and Broncos team. But like we all with the eyeball test, know that the Raiders are the superior team. But like Elliot said, if there is one I don't know one if we know with the eyeball could... test that the Raiders are the superior team. Of the two, I would say they are. Aside from aside from the Broncos secondary, I would say the Raiders are the better team. You don't think that they are, they're, they're the better team? I think they clearly have the better offense, and the Broncos clearly have the better defense. And I think yes. that the Raiders probably have a better head coach, but I think that's really just by default of not being Nathaniel Hackett. Like that's not really an accomplishment, yeah. right? Um weird weird late slate. Well, um, definitely one of those late slates where you're mad at the NFL for not moving one of these one o'clock games to four o'clock and you have because <laughs> right. then we have Brian Hoyer taking on Aaron Rodgers, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. But the Cardinals yep. Panthers game is fascinating to me as well because Panthers can't move the ball through the air at all. Christian McCaffrey is dinged up, and we'll find out more today, though I know people are saying that this quad injury is much different than him needing to pee in the last couple weeks, right? Like it's an actual chance that he misses the game. (laughs) Um, The Cardinals have not looked good in any game that they've played this year. Kyler Murray has been one of the least efficient quarterbacks. They should get Rondell Moore back, which I think helps. They're really missing DeAndre Hopkins. Curious if Cliff Kingsbury, for the first time in his life, could actually move players around and get them in open spots. My guess is no. Um, this Panthers team is really bad, though. I think their defense is good, but it has some pieces. But offense, the, pa- the Panthers are taking sharp money. And if you like them, I would recommend waiting because we might get some bad news on McCaffrey and you get a better number here. Right. This one is uh, – I lean Panthers, but this one's more of a stay away for me than compared to, like, the Raiders-Broncos game where I would I would fire on Raiders first half if I had to go on anything. But these are t- tough teams to trust. I was kind of I was kind of toying around with the idea of using the Cardinals as a teaser piece of getting them Can't up to do seven it. and a half. Can't do I, it. I'm with you. I'm with it because every time I started considering it, I'm like, I don't want to consider this. But it's a it's a good number for them because, like, Elliot, I said this to Julian. Like, if you if you asked me a couple of weeks ago that in week four the Panthers were going to be one and a half point favorites over the Cardinals, you'd be like, you're out of your mind. But like, that's literally where we are at this point. Like, it was two and a half earlier in the week when I asked him that question. Like, so so the question that I posed to Julian is this more indicative of how bad the Cardinals are? Or how bad, or or just how you like what what is the perception that you get? I from think this? it's so funny because you added one more line of context with the Panthers would be favorite and they would look like the worst offense in football. <laughs> like if you added that as well, you'd be like, "What? No, this is." Um, I I actually lean the Cardinals. I guess that that makes me not sharp, but like 
that's fine. This is a no, weird I know. game. I'm, just, that, I'm being playful. I'm trying to give Steve an opportunity to, to throw a jab. To be we honest. love but... squares. <laughs> we are squares. Yeah. No, you're, you're at the right spot. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, I think a couple of those games, I'll have, I'll have interest in seeing what some of the prop lines are. Uh, it, it seems yeah. like books have finally caught up with Cortland Sutton's usage, right? Like mm-hmm. for a while, he was opening at 55 and a half, despite the fact that he was projecting for eight, nine targets. And they were all, what, he's got like a 15-yard dot, But right. now he's up to the 62, 63 yards, so it's kind of getting priced correctly. Um, I, I lean the Cardinals, but this is these are not games I'm excited to try to bet. All right. Let's... Would you consider teasing up the Cardinals? I would. I would consider teasing Oof. up the Cardinals. Especially All if right. we got it to a – if you did a three-team 10-point teaser and you got them 11.5, because I don't know if the Panthers can score 11.5 points. Right. Oh, you're damn right about that. <laughs> well, I know right, for a fact so... they can't score exactly 11.5 because I'm sharp. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to transition – away from games that we apparently don't like talking about so that we can talk about a game featuring Brian Hoyer, who is 0-11 in his last 11 career starts, going to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers. The look-ahead line here was between 5 and 6 when Mac Jones was the quarterback. It touches as high as 10.5, I believe, as we record on Thursday afternoon, settling back down around 9, total at 40.5. I feel like this one has, like, 20 to 10 Packers written all over it. Um, So I guess that means I like the Packers at anything better than 10. Uh, I guess that means I like the under, but I'm afraid to bet both or or either. I I don't see how the Patriots, the Patriots are going to come in and try and run the ball and bank on Rodgers not having chemistry with his receivers and not being able to get him the ball. But I, I really... I mean, we saw it like Brian Hoyer, like, oh, he's a veteran. He's a part of the system. And we saw him take that sack in Kansas City in his last start to end the half when he thought he had a timeout and he didn't. Like, this is the guy we're banking on as if you're the Patriots and he's going to – he's so, you know, he's like having a coach on the field and he does that. Like, I don't know how he's going to win a game at Green Bay. So the only real way I look at this game, like maybe some of these three to four-point favorites that I'm afraid to lay the points. Like Cincy, I wanted Cincy at minus three if we can come back to Thursday night football. It sits three and a half. So I do like a Cincy Green Bay money line parlay, a way to get one of those teams down, and that gets you to right around minus 110. That's how I view this game. It's going to be everybody's survivor pick, and I don't think those people are going to get eliminated. So I don't know. I I guess the the Packers are a way to get a team down if you don't want to lay a couple points, but I lean, I think under is maybe the best play in this one. I think anytime you lean or you start with describing someone is by saying that they're a veteran, it means that they don't have a lot of other redeeming qualities, right? In terms of Brian Hoyer <laughs> being good. Like, what do you like about Brian Hoyer? Well, he's old. Oh, great. <laughs> um, I lean the Packers. The other thing, real quick, sorry, real quick, Elliot. Like everybody associates Brian Hoyer with the Patriots, and he's been with them for parts of seven seasons throughout his long career. This is going to be his second start with the Patriots. It's not like so, like oh, he knows the system in these practices, a system that went from Josh McDaniels to Matt Patricia, and now you got to go out there in Green Bay. The only other time he started for the Patriots, he went out there in Kansas City, and it was a twenty-six to ten loss, which is somewhat what I imagine this game. Yeah, I. I think we kind of hit the panic button a little bit on the Packers after week one, which we did last year too, when they got blown out by the saints. Yep. I think that the Packers 
minus nine makes a lot of sense because Mac Jones is probably worth four more points than Brian Hoyer. Like I think the market overcorrected with five and a half and four sounds about right to me. I would, I like your idea of getting the Packers down for another money line team. I'd probably lean a different team than the Bengals. That, that look ahead line was one and a half last week. Um, I do yep. really like the Bengals in the spot tonight, but that's just a little bit more of a toss up that I, I want to kind of just um, get into. But I love Aaron Jones over 22 and a half receiving yards in this game. Like he's gone over this number in the first two games didn't go over it last one. His number started the year at 38 and a half. Then went to 28 and a half, 28 and a half. And now it's 22 and a half. So this is the lowest it's been all year long. We know historically that his pass usage when Devontae Adams isn't there is incredible for a running back. And his utilization so far this season has dictated that of a pass game uh, back that's going to have 40 50 yard games i just think that through the air like we've mentioned robio dobbs and what's going on with the packers receivers aaron jones is going to continue to be involved in this mix and 22 and a half is too low because i don't think anything is dictated that this number shouldn't be at the 28 and a half or higher it's been at all season i just i i continue to beat on the drum that people just continue to overrate this Patriots secondary like because it's been elite for years but it's like over the past two years, they've lost like their two biggest contributors. And now you're, you know, your top guy is probably who Jalen Mills. And he's been atrocious so far this season. He's given up 11 receptions on 17 targets for a total of 173 yards and an average of 15.7 yards per reception. That ain't an elite corner in this, at this rate. So, and people keep saying how good this, this secondary is. And like, I get that Aaron, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have, you know, this great connection with his receivers and whatnot, but like, I am fully expecting the Packers to blow the Patriots out of the water. The Patriots so like, I am roster is not good, right? Like, like if you awful. took, if it's you awful. took the logo off their helmet, you would, you would say <laughs> that they were a bottom five team in the NFL. Like they, especially with Brian Hoyer Jackson, as the, right? Yeah, well, with as Brian the starter Hoyer, they with might that be a bottom three team in the NFL. Like this, they they've done the we can replace people for so long. Eventually, you can't, and I think this year's team is the team that can't. Yeah, agree. No, I'm with you. Um, so I, I have no. And I will say the Packers are probably my favorite team right now to tease down, getting them at three. Packers minus three, Eagles to win. Yep. You got it. it seems like two things that well, should happen. Two things they should theoretically Eagles correct. Two things that okay, should we're, happen. We're, we're, this is a betting podcast, and everything we speak about should happen. So, of course, but yes. Yep. All right, primetime games. Uh, Chiefs at Bucks. We received word from the NFL on Thursday afternoon. Game's going to go on as planned in Tampa. Tampa, I think, was plus three in this one. Uh, it's moved to essentially a pick on DK Sportsbook as we record on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Tom Brady, over the over the last 20 years, I think it's his whole career, but over the last 20 years, off a loss as an underdog, which he was, 10-0. and 0. Now, I don't know, you know, it's a pick essentially. So, I don't know if you want to apply that stat. Mahomes with the Chiefs is eight and seven against the spread coming off a loss. Kansas City's coming off a loss as well. Uh, Brady as a member of the Bucks, just coming off a loss in general, no matter who's the favorite, is seven and two against the spread. Brady should be getting back. He is getting back. Mike Evans could be getting back. Julio Jones. Uh, Kansas City had some issues last week. I lean Tampa here. I wish I got the better number. I waited too long, but I do think Tampa ultimately wins the game. Haven't bet it. 
that's just my my feel for it. Uh, Elliot, anything in terms of a side or props you're looking at in this one? Yeah, I think it's kind of a weird prop game because we have so many pieces coming back on the Tampa side. It feels like. Yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a weird prop game, and it's going to be one of those where they they're limited on lines because they want to know who's in and who's out. But I like the, yep. I like the Bucks in this game. I'm not big on the Chiefs right now. I they looked awesome in yeah. Week One against the Cardinals, who were one of the teams we just talked about being a bottom coach team in the NFL. And the reason I bring that up is because they just blitz Mahomes over and over and over and over again. And Mahomes has shown that if you blitz him, he will pick you apart. But if you make him beat you consistently down the field, that's what he struggled with this year. And the playmakers haven't been good for them outside of Travis Kelsey. Like Juju's been okay. He had that one big uh, catch against the Colts. But they've, they look like a team that's kind of come back down to earth. And I don't want to say they were that good because of Tyreek Hill because it's not like Patrick Mahomes is still a really good quarterback. But I think the Bucks should be closer to minus two and a half, minus three in this game than a true pick them. And so I think there's value on the Bucks side. And I think it's surprising too, because when you think about they got Juju, they got MVS, like that Mahomes was going to be going deep downfield to these guys a lot. They have a combined two targets of 20 yards or more. And both of them are to MVS. Juju hasn't even seen a target over 20 yards yet. And I thought that was pretty surprising when you think about, well, where do these guys excel? It's going downfield. And you can say that that hasn't been the case for Juju for the past two years because he's been with Ben Roethlisberger. But when he first came into the league, like he was averaging, I think it was like over 13, 14 yards per target. Like he was, you know, that guy. So for them to not be using them in that role, at least thus far, I thought was somewhat surprising. Does that surprise you at all? I mean, the MVS and Patrick Mahomes could not be off to a worse start together uh, in terms of yeah. their chemistry. Yep. Um. And the interesting thing is they tried to do that with McCall Hardman when he got drafted, and it's just not worked out there. Right. And it turns out you can't just throw speed, and all of a sudden you have success downfield. These teams are almost like the Philadelphia Eagle-Andy Reid teams prior to Terrell Owens getting there, where they tried to mix and match receivers all the time, and it kind of limited some of their offensive upside. I think that Juju has always been a guy the last few years that has crushed his own but struggled against man, and so I thought that signing made a lot of sense for Mahomes, a guy that, you know, kind of take those chunk plays but i don't know man like juju since those first two years without having that elite option on the other side just hasn't necessarily been a big play guy kelsey still looks phenomenal um their offensive line's pretty good but i i think that mahomes is missing an elite weapon all right monday night primetime i I don't know what to make of the really either of these West divisions. Like we thought the AFC West would be one of the best divisions ever in football. And we just talked about the chargers are all dinged up Vegas and Denver. Don't know what to make of them. Chiefs were low on, but I don't know what to make of this NFC West either. When we have these divisional games, it's Niners coming off a, a Sunday night game in Denver that made you want to bleed out of your eyes watching it. And they go against a Rams team that has looked really poor at times, um and squeak out a win over the falcons they get a win over the cardinals who i'm not very high on i have nothing here but go ahead elliot if you maybe it's a good prop game something i haven't really looked too deep into monday night football yet yeah i think it's uh it's interesting because the 49ers won both regular season games last year and then probably should have won the nfc title game but they had that drop pick so they have had that number kyle shannon has had sean mcveigh's number um historically speaking you want shanahan when he's an underdog not a favorite if you look at against the spread 
However, minus one and a half, plus one and a half, like we're we're really nitpicking there if we want to kind of count that in that situation. Um, the Rams haven't looked particularly good. The 49ers haven't looked particularly good. I think Jimmy G might be the most overrated quarterback in the NFL, though the NFL probably agreed with me when no one wanted to trade for him. So I don't know if I get to do that anymore. True. Um, <laughs> uh, I do think the a huge deal here is no Trent Williams. Um, that's yep. one of the biggest impact players in all of football. That's going to greatly impact what they want to do in the pass game and what they want to do in the run game. He's great on that stuff they yep. do with Debo Samuel. Uh, that that Trent Williams alone makes me like the Rams. I actually think this is a tease spot to get the Rams to seven and a half. Um, that's probably the only action I will take at this moment. I will say that, Julian, I'm pretty similar to you, that Monday Night Football tends to be the last game I look at of the week. Um, yeah. But that's my initial reactions to it. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I was going to go to. The loss of uh, Trent Williams is going to be so massive for that already depleted offensive line. So I think that's going to be uh, a big issue for them. And then how are they going to stop Aaron Donald in this game if that interior is, is weak as it is? So I think that's going to be massive. And I think that's going to be something that maybe we're not taking into too much consideration now. But I think as as that game gets closer, maybe that's what starts to be the, the topic there. Because I think that's going to be huge. And for me, for these two teams that have been kind of similar i guess how we feel that's where i would i'd give the edge to the rams and that's where i'd be comfortable taking them all right that is pretty much the entire board um i guess we'll get elliot out of here on this i'll back him against the wall favorite play for nfl week four this is as of thursday afternoon it comes with that disclaimer well the the tough part here is that i've already kind of given a lot of my favorite plays for thursday afternoon yeah yeah no no it can be like the Pittman yards like go back to anything you've you've talked about like whatever you think is strongest and feel free to include thursday night football i don't want to i don't want to restrict you here just whatever your favorite favorite thing for week four i i mean i i love the Pittman prop i would the one i want to add that i haven't talked about is and i do like the Bengals tonight i think jamar chase has a big game uh, the Dolphins are the second heaviest man team, and that Chase is eaten against man. Uh, last year, yep. he had 27% of the Bengals' targets against man coverage, only 17% against zone. So I like that a lot. And he averaged 152 yards per game when he had 10 or more targets last season. Um, so wow. really like Chase tonight. I love Nick Chubb against this Falcons team. This is the number one EPA rush offense against the number 32 EPA rush defense that is about as big of a mismatch as you can get and the Browns have shown that they're going to hand Nick Chubb the ball 17 18 19 20 times a game and we know he's as good of a running back as there is so it's a high number but I honestly think that Chubb's kind of getting that Jonathan Taylor um, experience right now that they had last year in terms of you're going to get 20 touches and you're going to get your 100 yards and as long as this number stays below 90 I really like it. I like playing Chubb on the attempts a lot because he gets he's like as safe as you can get with those running backs to get rushing attempts. And it's been 15 and a half at times this year. Yeah, I love that. All right. Anything to add, Steve? Otherwise, you can go ahead and wrap. All right. (laughs) So, as always, want to thank our guest. Elliot Chris coming on from Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. Make sure to check out FantasyLife.com, a plethora of content over there. And I'm sure, Elliot, we appreciate you checking it out too as well. Subscribe to it. You guys got a newsletter too, right? Everything we do is 100% free. Tools, content, newsletter, everything we do, head to fantasylife.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. Could not be easier. You see Matthew Barry's pretty face in there and he's pointing to a box where you write your email and then you're all done. 
for somebody who's like as cheap as I am, like that, that's that perfect. Sounds great it's free. If it's I'd free, love, it's I'd, for me, I'd, and I'll take three. So if you want to sign right. up with three different, um, with three different email addresses, get your friends and family involved. Go for that as well. <laughs> no, that's how you Shameless do it. Plug. That's how you do it. All right. Thank you to Elliot for joining us this week, Steve. Let's wrap it up quick. Let's do best bets. Uh, you know, we talked some some teasers already, and it yeah. seems like the two legs that you like have been brought up. But why don't you just do everyone a favor here and just put them together uh, as your best bet? Yeah, let's wrap this up, put a little nice little bow on it. Uh, so I'm going to do that two-team uh, teaser. I'm going to be getting the Eagles down basically to win. You get them down to a half a point when it's at six and a half right now. And then you're going to get the Packers down to minus three. Don't care. They're going to win that game. They're going to blow them out. Not worried about the hook or anything here. There's your teaser. Minus 120. All right. I can go a number of ways here. I, honestly, my favorite of these three-point favorites that I'm betting is the Bengals on Thursday Night Football. Um, I gave that out in my Best Bets article that if it didn't come back to three, I would use it in a money line parlay with something else I was extremely confident in. So I used Bengals money line and New Mexico state money line on Saturday night, 14 and a half point home favorites gets it right down to minus 119, I think. So that's going to be the way that I play it because they're not losing to FIU's the worst team in college football. No college football corner this week. So you'll have to tune into my best bets article. If you want to get college football, um, Man, like I'm tempted to go with that Ravens-Bills total. I'm tempted to go with the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants as my best bet. It's the first thing I put out of the week. I put it out at minus two and a half. I'll give it out at three. They're at home. They're going to pressure the Bears. The Bears are not going to be three and one. The Bears aren't winning this game. They're not going to look good. I'm going to give out the Giants. That's a podcast, Steve. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.